Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Stone Genius. My name's Ro, I'm The Stone Genius. You know me, I'm often stoned, I'm always a genius. And today on the show, I'm really excited because we have a returning guest and um, I really enjoyed talking to him last time. In fact, so much so it was over a three hour long episode, which I think I... Yeah, I think the people liked that last time. So, uh, but I wanted to have him back on today to talk about something different. But welcome back to the show, Realtor. I guess your agent broker, Realtor, David Gowans. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure I didn't misterm you because that was one thing I learned the first time we talked to you that where you are in the Pacific Northwest, you are an agent broker. Yes. Yes. And so that everyone does know currently, the market seems to be very hot up there. So. Um, oh, yes. Yes, yes. In fact, uh, the whole West Coast is pretty darn hot. And uh, although, you know, we've all felt interest rates rise in the last, what, 10 months now, they've been going up. Uh, they're kind of settling, settling down. People are starting to uh, kind of get the feel that they're settling down. And there's a whole lot of pent up buyer demand that's kind of showing up. And it showed up months before the warmth did, which is unusual. Normally, yeah. you know, uh, buyers start coming out when it gets warm outside, which happened up here about last last week. Um, and uh, boy, this year, uh, they started knocking on my door in February. And that's, I got, in fact, just just in the last week, I had a, I had a two day period where I got three calls where people are like, sell my house, please. <laughs> So, and you're like, okay, yes, thank you. Yeah, I'm like, well, well, yeah, and at this point, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to start finding somebody to help me here in a second if I keep getting calls like that. So we'll see. And that, so we, I just recently on an episode had a realtor, Bridget Kiggins, on, and she was talking about how uh, one of her clients called, and they were in a million dollar plus house to begin with, and but they wanted to buy a a house to rent it to their daughter. So they wanted a rental property. And so she was thinking, oh, I'm going to get, you know, uh, I'll, I'll be a buyer's agent for this. And then they go, and you know, we think that we kind of want to live outside the town. So she's going to be looking for new homes and selling their current home, it looks like, which, I mean, she goes, it's just amazing what people are doing right now. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So can I ask, so currently when we are recording this, which is late April in 2023, what are the current interest rates? I don't even pay attention anymore. For uh, home. Like on well, a 30-year uh, traditional mortgage, what is an interest rate? Do you know roughly? That, that depends on what kind of lender you're trying to go with. But the lowest I'm seeing in this week is 6 to 6.5. Um, and... and that's with a bank or a credit union. So if you're look, if you're looking at a, a mortgage broker, which is gonna, it's gonna be a little bit higher than that. Maybe. So so here's the thing. So are people thinking those rates are high? Yes, of course they are. See, people and when I, when I bought a, when we bought our first house in 1999, which was in a, a suburb of Kansas City on the Kansas side, Olathe, Kansas, uh, I think that we were. Between seven and a half, seven and seven and a half percent there, which my parents were telling me when they bought their house original, their first house they bought in 1969, it was like 19 percent. So, you know, they they were like, oh, you know, seven percent. But then when we had bought our last house, it was down in the threes. And we were lucky. We were with a, a local bank that did not ever sell off any mortgages. And the cool thing was if we ever wanted to refinance, all we had to do was call them and they charged us a small administrative fee and just 
change it. We didn't have to do redo the years, do any actual refinance. And we would just call and say, we want the new rate. And they're like, okay, it's like $385 to do that. We're like, okay. So, um, Hey, you know, credit, credit unions and regional banks, small regional banks are still doing that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that's pretty important. I mean, I love that because when be, the first home that we bought, we did not go that route. And mm -hmm. because of that, I think our mortgage, and we were in that first house about seven years, six and a half, seven years, I think it was sold off a handful of times, four or five times. You know, we would get, oh, now you're paying your mortgage to this company. And it was just like, Jiminy, crack horn. So it was nice being able to send that. So I was just curious, but to me, six sevens i mean they don't sound so outrageous because that's where our first house was i mean that's the rates were but it, i guess you get spoiled well you have a you have a broad a, a broad perspective and a different perspective of time uh <laughs> than like i do you know what i mean i bought my house about the same time uh, my first one uh the 2000 2000 and uh i think my rate was about six six, six and a half or six point seven five maybe right uh but but I didn't bat an eye at that. I was like, no problem. Yeah, our parents uh, were telling us, "Oh, you don't know yeah. how good you have it." Yeah, yeah, and then I, of course, I, you know, I was a teenager in the '80s, and I remember that whole uh, uh, crisis with uh, what was it, uh, savings and loan institutions, yes. kind of exploded, and then uh, the interest rates were up in the like close to twenty. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I remember that stuff. And uh, then I went and bought my house and they're like six and a half, seven. You know, I'm like, yeah, I can do that. I, no problem. And, and the payment, of course, I was up back east where the, the homes were a lot cheaper. But uh, but yeah, this it's this isn't bad. And, and not only that, but it's going to settle down here in a couple of months, I suspect, unless some uh, some other crazy world event shows up, uh, which oh, that'll never I'm happen. hoping. Yeah, I'm hoping that doesn't happen for a while. But uh yeah, as long as things are calm, you know, in the next six months or so, I think rates will come down a little bit, well, that's, and then uh, the market will continue. Well, that's good. I mean, my wife and I, when we downsized out of a house into an apartment, we had kind of sworn off everyone to be back in a house. And now that we and we love our apartment, we absolutely love the location, we love everything about the apartment. Wow! But it's still an apartment. So you you are in the minority from people I talk to. Uh, thank count your count your blessings. <laughs> what? A lot of people who I run into just they do not like the apartment living. You must have a really good place. We we do, and we have great. So when we first moved in here, we had said, "Well, it's just for a year. We're just moving in here because we sold our house way too fast. We we're going to move back down to Florida, and some things happened. And so we were like, okay, so we're just going to pump the brakes a little. We'll find a place for a year." And one of our neighbors who'd have been here like 20 years, they go, well, I like people that stay. And it's funny because now we've been here like five years. Go, Yeah, five years we've been going on. So, But one of the things that they would tell us were most of the residents would leave the apartment feet first, meaning that they would die. And, oh, and it is true wow. that mo it was funny. One of our, not funny, uh, one of our neighbors, uh, our youngest child, would help bring in groceries and do certain things. And she passed away by herself in her apartment. But yeah, so it's very, it's weird. It's a, it's not by design. I think it's just people moved in there when they were young and they're like, you know, our everyone's neighbors are cool. Everyone gets together. We have big uh, porch patios. They have, uh, you know, there's guys that play in a blues band together here and they'll, they'll just, oh, nice. you know, so it, it, it's a lot of fun, but at the same time, you do still have neighbors. 
and, yeah. and I, I never hear them. They don't bother us. It's nothing to do with that, but I still know they're there. So yeah. I, I'm sure they hear us a lot more than we hear them, which hold on. I have a sound for that. That's for them, not for us. Okay, David, we got a topic to talk about. Um, and I had actually written down two things from the last time we talked uh, at the end, we'd kind of touched on it, but I'd written down citizenship and entitlement. First of all, I want to get a definition. What? Because I was thinking about entitlement. I was trying to define d- entitlement without looking it up. How would you define entitlement? Because I couldn't, I was like, you know, kind of thinking that you should get something that you really haven't earned or deserved, I guess, would be the best way I could describe it. Well, I like to think of them uh, from different perspectives. I mean, there's from my from my point of view there's there's different sorts of entitlements there's an earned entitlement similar to social security let's say okay right. you put money into something and therefore you expect some money coming back uh and depending on what this you know the system is i mean it may be more or less than you put in whatever but you own a piece of that and you should be getting something out of it right right that's 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 an earned entitlement that you paid for, right? But a, 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 an entitlement without any other descriptor, it, you're just that you're, you've opened the door to gifts, right? Okay, that are that are not earned at all, uh, that are just handed. And an example an example of that is all of us as American citizens, we are gifted. The entitlement of the Bill of Rights when we were born here on this in this country, right? Right. It's a gift. None of us earned that shit, but we were given it the moment we were born because you know our people who developed the country decided that that's how it was going to work. Okay. Right. So that's great. That's great. We all got rights. Okay. But <clears throat> it's a gift. <laughs> it was handed to us, and we did nothing to earn it. So what happens often? It's human nature. Ninety-five percent of people are going to, over time, just take that for granted because it was just handed to them. They actually, it costs them nothing to get it. People start to devalue things that they didn't pay for. You know what I mean? Uh, It's just human nature uh, over time, uh, in my opinion. So uh, that's an example of of maybe a, uh, uh, an entitlement that isn't earned and maybe it's taken for granted. You know and, what I mean? And I agree with you there. And first of all, for the for the audience that has not listened to our first interview, because I did interview, introduce you as a realtor and an agent, uh, but you were also a 20-year veteran of the Marine Corps. So hold on, I got a sound for that. So thank you for your service. But I wanted to make sure that that was out because I kind of think that it's something different, but I... I did not serve. I wish that I would have. I, I think we touched on this before, that I had taken the ASVAB. I actually wanted to go in an intelligence. I wanted to go in the Navy. I don't know why. I think originally it was because being a Florida boy, I was fine with the water and being around it. I thought being on a ship, you know, what's better than that? Um, but they said for naval intelligence, you had, to be in, you had to be in six years before you could even go into intelligence. And the only place that I was allowed to go straight in would have been the Air Force. And so I had gone down to the uh, recruitment center, or I, I don't know what they called it, the intake center here in Kansas City at the time, which was down by Old Union Station. And I was waiting to actually, I think, get sworn in. I wasn't, I, and they put me in a room with these other people 
that were so fucking stupid. I don't remember exactly what happened, but whatever it was, was egregious enough that I got up and walked out of there. Never to be, and you know, they called me and they're like, they tried to say that I was AWOL and I was like, no, I wasn't. They tried to hold like my uh, high school diploma, which I had had to turn in because I didn't have a college degree yet at that point and all these different things. But whatever happened in there, I walked out. I, you know, my life would have been totally different. I probably negatively because I don't think I would have met my (laughs) wife at that point. Um, So, but, you know, I don't know what, what happened, but I do really feel like the United States, and I think this kind of gets to the entitlement part, they don't really do anything for those rights. Just like you said, one thing I always get on, I am a gun guy. I like guns. I don't do much with them anymore because as a stoner on the 4473, I know there's some iffy whether you can carry or buy, own a gun if you're a stoner. I just went to safe route and I decided not to own guns anymore. But I'm not mm-hmm. anti-gun. And so, so um, but I do think it's funny when people wear like a, a Second Amendment shirt and they're like, tell, you know, oh, this and you can't take my, you know, take it from my de- dead cold hand and all this. And I'm like, hey, can you just tell me real quick, what's the Third Amendment? And they don't know. <laughs> yeah. They have no idea. And it's and it's really weird because it's not keeping soldiers. You don't have to board soldiers during a time of war. So it's a really weird one because, the you know, you have the first, the second, the weird one. And then four through nine are all about uh, search and seizure and your rights. Uh, if you get a re- and th- So it's a really weird one. And they don't even know what the third one is. And that drives me insane. Yep. Yeah, I can see your point. Yeah. Um, I had a discussion like that with, uh, I'm kind of a middle of the road politically. Uh, I, 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 I don't claim either party. Would you knock it off? Oh, I'm sorry. Jeez. Hey, that's <laughs> what you get for talking to a lady like that. I'm assuming yeah, that it's a lady with that voice. It is a lady. All three of them are ladies okay. and they don't take any, they, they rule the roost. Yes. She's going to, she's going to make me pay for that later. Yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm kind of middle of the road, you know, uh, I don't claim either party. So, uh, uh, I, I, uh, I mean, me neither. I, uh, I have been, I'm 55, and from the time that I registered to vote to now, I've always been in Kansas. It's called unaffiliated, which is independent. Yeah. Yeah, well, I lost my taste for either party just over the years, and and uh, I, I got in a conversation with a, a person who leans kind of right uh, a couple months back, and he's pulled the, you know, Second Amendment guns uh, and all that stuff. And uh, I'm like, dude, and he said, oh, he pulled out the famous, uh, you know, if, if a young man who's 18 can go to war and die with a gun in his hand, then he should be able to have one at home. I said, okay, stop right there. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Uh, when a military young man who's 18 has a firearm in his hand, and it's even when it's not loaded and he has no ammo, okay, even when there's no ammo involved, uh, that person, that young soldier, is supervised, closely supervised, and usually by a very aggressive person who is going to be quick to step on his effing neck right. the second he does something wrong with that firearm. It is exactly like that. In- and, and real quick, for the audience that doesn't <laughs> yeah. don't know what an effing neck is, it's a fucking neck. I just wanted to make yeah. sure that there was no... There, I didn't want them sitting there going, Effie neck, not sure. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, yeah. No, so, but I agree so with that, with everything so you said about that. That's that's the, the problem is people don't realize that there is extremely close supervision, like two, a couple of layers of supervision. 
And not only that, but all those weapons are, are cared for by somebody else who's sitting on the side with a loaded weapon waiting for some shithead to come out of the freaking woodwork and try to take one. Right. You know what I mean? So so there is a ton of security, a ton of supervision happening anytime someone draws a weapon out of an armory every single time. Weapons are controlled items. They're like crypto gear or anything else. You don't let that shit out of your sight. Are you right. kidding me? The worst thing you could do is put your weapon down and walk away from it. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like that's that you could go to the go to, literally go to jail for that. Yeah. Like that fast. Uh so that's what is happening in the military. It's not fucking a bunch of idiots running around with fucking guns, drinking beer and shooting at shit. You know? So yeah, and uh, yeah. the other thing is that here in Kansas a few years back, they went where you could go conceal carry without a permit with no licensing, no training. That's which, brilliant. Yeah, which I'm like, because then what they, then what these morons think, they think that ignorance will protect them, where ignorance is, is will not protect you from the law, but that's what they think. Like if they go somewhere that uh, it's supposed to don't have guns, they think they can, they can still have a gun there. And yeah. if it's, you know, in certain areas, you still cannot have that. And they'll be like, oh, my my freedom, my right. No. you st- and, and that's what drives me insane is well, that they don't have, you know, I, I was talking to someone. Well, someone overheard me. I was talking to someone else about um, living in an apartment and you would use different ammunition in an apartment. And they said, why? And I go, well, if you use a full metal jacket, it could go through the wall and it could kill your neighbor. And I go, what you want something, it would be like uh, some sort of round that uh, it would hit sheetrock and it's not going to go through sheetrock. It, it'll penetrate and disintegrate. Um, and, and they were, they had never even thought of something like that. They go, I live in an apartment. I never thought of that. It's like, th- those are, you know, if you would have done some training, they would have mentioned something like that to you, probably. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the, the, as far as the training, it's not just firearms training. You know what I mean? It's not just, touching the weapon and learning how to shoot it and, and handle it safety. It's also uh, a mentality thing. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like uh, there, there's, it's just straight up behavior. Like forget the weapon, put the weapon aside for a second. When somebody, you don't know that you're in a fucking store or something, somebody walks up to you and engages you and starts getting aggressive. Okay. How are you going to handle this? Right. That shit has got to be thought through. You know what I'm saying? That's part of the training process is you got to figure out, you got to think ahead of time before this shit happens to you. How do you handle it when somebody, some guy who you don't know is just walks up to you and boom, you are his target and you have no fucking idea why. Right. How do you handle that? And, and, you got to figure that shit out. You got to come up with a couple of a, plan A, B, and C, you know, before it even happens. Right. And that's part of the training process. Nobody's thinking about that. They think you go to the range, you shoot a couple bullets, and uh, you're uh, you're done. Right. Uh, go home, and I'm highly qualified. Fuck, I'm Rambo. Let somebody break into my house. I'm Charles Bronson. I know? I used to love the people that would say. Like when I would talk to them about, well, when when are you going to carry a gun? Why do you need to carry a concealed weapon? They're like, well, when I go into bad neighborhoods. And I'm like, why are you going into bad neighborhoods? They're like, if I need to do something. And I'm like, I I mean, I just can't understand, first of all, that rationale. I mean, I I, I don't know what what you – first of all, you would have to define a bad neighborhood, and then I – that's a whole different alley to go down. But my thing is, yeah. if you really care about self-protection, 
So when we lived out in the country, one of our neighbors, they used to mow and they would have their guns strapped to their hip while they mowed. And it was, yeah. and, and the, some people were offended by like that. He doesn't need that. But it's like, well, that would be a pretty good time if someone was going to try to sneak up on you to sneak up on you. Because there's totally. loud, you're not going to hear sound. I mean, you have to have some sort of situational awareness. You know, like I've asked people, where do you put your gun when you go into the bathroom and take a shower? I don't take it in the bathroom. That's odd. I mean, that I mean, wh- that'd be a good time to because you're going to be distracted again. So why wouldn't you have it close at hand? Can you? Can I tell you something? Sure. I carry my shit in the bathroom all the time. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when it, I'm taking the shower. Hold the on. Time. <laughs> that deserves I mean cuz I'm being serious I mean that that's when you know in in so as my 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 genius brain overthinks things like I even tell my so for some reason I don't know why uh my father-in-law gave our youngest child a sword like a big I don't know I don't know anything about swords, so I can't say if it's like a Civil War type sword or a sand. I I don't know, but it's like a long blade. And I was saying something to my wife. I go, what would you do if someone grabbed that sword and tried to attack you? And she goes, well, I I don't know what. I go, well, first of all, you'd want to go into the hallway. And she goes, why? I go, because you want to get somewhere they can't swing the sword. I go, because now they would just be able to jab at you. So you know what they're going to do. You've now reduced the options that they have. It's also like in a knife fight. You have to look at the—I know it's stupid, but you look at their hand. Because depending on how they hold it, there's only certain ways they can swing at you. So if you look at that, uh, it's stupid stuff. But, yes, people don't think about everything else. Because my thing is if you pull a gun, then you're probably going to end up using it. You better be. I mean, yeah. you better be ready to. You have to, I mean, you have to not only be prepared, but yeah. you have to just assume as soon as it comes out, it's going to go off. Because, I mean, I don't see a lot where, oh, okay, we each got guns. Let's, let's dial this back a notch. So, yeah. I don't. Yeah. Only when one party doesn't have one does that happen. I know. <laughs> I know. Yep. And it was, I know that my my parents, and oh, here's another thing I, I want to circle back to is when you were talking about getting used to situations and guns. So when I first started concealed carrying, I got used to uh, wearing my holster first with no gun. Mm-hmm. And then I started getting used to carrying it uh, just so I could get used to the weight and stuff. I would carry it, but completely unloaded. And the only, because I wanted to get used to that. I also wanted to be, if I'm wearing a jacket, if I'm wearing you know, a, a certain type of shirt. Is it tucked in, untucked? You know, ha- do I have access to it? And I didn't want that learning curve to be done loaded. Yeah. And so yeah. I, it probably took me two weeks before I started carrying. And, and it was my, my everyday carry from then on. But I carried every day all the time after that. But I did have to get used to that because I needed to understand, you know, if I'm in this situation, would I even be able to draw it? Because if I can't draw mm-hmm. it, I may not want to expose it at that point. So just stupid shit like that. But yeah, that's what training, it starts to get you to think of situations and, and start, because most people are just, I think, they think they're going to be able to do what John Wick does. Yeah. Yeah. Without without any training or forethought or any right. anything. You can't just go shoot at paper targets a couple times and, and just do that kind of shit, you know? Well, it, it, in fact, I had a I went to with a friend who's a, a gun nut, okay, right wing guy. Went went to the range, and the guy, uh, 
you know, they, the range had rules. Okay. I was a range safety officer for 16 years. I'm not going to fucking walk in there and start violating range rules. Right. But this guy, he knew about my background and he w- expected me to walk in there and just freaking unload, a, you know, 15 rounds in freaking three and a half seconds. Right. And knock the black out the target. I said, dude, I'm not, I, I, I started shooting. I was shooting nice and, you know, slow around every second and a half to three seconds or so. Right. Popping a couple rounds off. And uh, he goes, uh, he's just looking at me, and I, I change my magazine, I keep going, and I stop, and he's like, uh, he's like, don't, do you ever, you know, don't you shoot faster than that? And I'm like, I'm like dude, we're at a range. Right. <laughs> you can't, you can't just come in here and just freaking start unloading shit. You're gonna piss people off. That's a safety violation. You gotta follow the effing rules. Now, if you wanna go out in the woods, you can freaking empty magazines in two seconds if yeah. you want to. I mean, but who wants to spend a hundred bucks on freaking twenty seconds of joy? That's yeah, stupid. but it sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, I but mean, I, I prefer to try to hit the stuff I'm shooting at. Yeah, you see, I, it's training to me. I, I'm not. It's not. I mean, it's fun. Yeah, it's absolutely fun. But it's also training. It's not. I'm not just out there to waste money or spend it. Yeah, I mean, you you need uh, one shot to stop someone as opposed to fifteen shots. It reminds me of there was. So when they were talking about letting teachers carry guns in schools, I thought that was just a horrendous idea um, for uh, on many levels. But it, there was about the same time, and I believe it was in Northern California, there was a young black man at his grandparents' house, and he was in the backyard on his cell phone. And six police officers came up on him. Uh, they were looking for, uh, I don't know what, they were looking for someone, some suspect of some alleged crime. And they ended up, I think, unloading over 40 shots and only struck him six or eight times. So it was literally like one in eight. And these are trained officers firing at a target who's actually not even firing back at him because he has a cell phone in his hand. And that's yep. the thing that, that people don't understand, that high-stress situations totally change the dynamics. I mean, you can yep. sit there and, yep. and and put center mass at 20 feet, but I, you know, five straight times. But I guarantee you, if that center mass starts sprinting at you with a knife, it's going to change yep. your di- dynamics. So that's why you train, and this is why you build it in so that you're not thinking. Right. So you train so that you're it's muscle memory. You train muscle memory. You train so that your body is providing support to the weapon that is that is even and straight at the target all the time so much so that you don't even have to look down the sights because it's mechanical you you know what i'm saying so yeah you start looking down the sights that's how you freaking okay sorry about it everyone i moved my phone i disconnected david so i now have him back on the line okay david so you're you're going you're saying i was just explaining that the, the 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 purpose of the training is to uh to make it well i mean if if you want to be john wick like if you really want to be john wick like you got to do the training and it, it's hours of training and it's not shooting the bullets it's it's the mechanics of the of the shooting right it is important you get you you and we in the marines we did what's called snapping in right where we the very first time you learn how to shoot and and by the way every time thereafter for the week before you go shoot you do this shit again Nobody knows this, but you, you snap in for a week and, and the first time you do it, you do it for two weeks. I think all you do is you take that weapon empty, no rounds, nothing. 
with a magazine, and you go out there outside and you shoot at a dot on a barrel. Your point, get your side alignment, side picture, get your body structure right so that mechanically right. you're, a, you're a barrier for the weapon and, the, and the, the bullet has no choice but to go straight at the target. You get your side alignment, side picture, you line it up, you, you pause your breathing, you pull the trigger, pop, round goes off and it hits the center of the effing target. And if you do that every time and do it right every time, it hits the center every time. Right. The best part of this is if you get, if you, once you get, your body gets used to that position, it becomes muscle memory. After a week of snapping in, it is muscle memory. You could literally set yourself up on a target, get your side, you know, get your body right, see side alignment, side picture, shoot that first round off, confirm that it's a bull, and then just, you can look somewhere else. Right. Pause your breathing, pull the trigger, and you're going you're gonna to hit black. And, and it's, it's because it's mechanical. So once you get to that point where it's mechanical, now, especially with a, with a pistol, you, you draw that pistol, you're coming up, you're, you're, you're popping the weapon off safe, pulling the trigger back. By the time you're close to your side alignment, you're either discharging around or about to discharge the round and the rounds going off right as it comes up to your eye so it's mechanical you may not ever see the side alignment side picture but you're goddamn sure going to hit the center mass of the target that you're aiming at because it's mechanical yeah so that's how that's how freaking scary people become scary in john wick like yeah they make it mechanical and not thought based have you ever seen any of uh keanu reeves the videos of him practicing or training for john wick on a, I did on, see one of those recently, actually. They're, yeah. they're pretty amazing. I mean, because it, it and that's the thing is that it, it sounds weird, but uh, my, my wife and I know how to clear a, a, a house or an apartment. We know how to clear rooms because yeah. if we enter, you know, it, like if we both get home, it's on and we think something's amiss, it would be, uh, she's not going to stand at the front door and be like, oh, I'm going to, actually, it may be me standing at the front door and her clearing. But either way, we're, we're like, we're in this together and we understand how to enter a room, if we're entering together, which way to go, what we're looking at, you know, before we can go and move on, uh, which a lot of people say sounds stupid, but everything circles back to one of my favorite quotes of all time, which unfortunately came from the Steven Seagal movie, under siege to dark, dark territory, but it's uh, chance favors the prepared mind and prepared is training, doing everything you need, knowing your weapon, knowing, knowing what, you know, knowing what to do if it jams. I mean, just yeah. stupid stuff. I mean, like, well, I know how to shoot it. Well, what, do you know how to clear it if it jams? You know, yeah. what's the frequency of that? Does it have to do, you know, uh, it gets me frustrated, but that's when I get frustrated watching TV shows too. And you think that you're watching a, and I know we can't, no one can see my air quotations, like a special operator. And then they, they enter the, the weapon, they enter a room with their weapon. I, I don't understand why the, the muzzle of your, your weapon is entering the, the room a foot and a half before you are. That's not correct. And that drives me insane. They will grab that and wrestle it all away from you. And I don't know. It's stupid stuff, but my my wife and I talk about stuff like that all the time because you have to be prepared. Like sometimes I'd be like, "Hey, if this happened right now," and some of them are far fetched. I actually think I said one night we were walking to the car like at dusk, and I said, "What would you do if a pterodactyl swooped out of the sky and took me away?" 
And I actually wanted a response from her. And she goes, I would probably laugh and just drive off. And I was like, well, that, I mean, at least she knows what she's doing, but always be prepared. Yeah. Okay. So, so now we got to circle back to entitlement. I, I went off on that, ta- that tangent because of the, the people that I do think sometimes are entitled. They feel entitled to their second amendment rights, although they can't even get to the third amendment and no. Yeah. Yeah. That bugs me. Okay. Other entitlements that, uh, that rub you the wrong way. Oh, geez. Uh, just lately. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess young people have been, uh, kind of getting on my nerves lately because I'm in my mid fifties, you know, I'm 53 and, uh, you know, I've been working with young people for the last 30 years. Right. Uh, I've been, you know, I mean, so I, I get young people, uh, I've spent a lot of time with them. I understand them. I was one. <laughs> And, I, and I'm so completely aware of how I could not sit down with my 23 year old self right. without choking myself out. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, that's the way they are. And like my youngest kid is 20 right now, for example. And, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, she, I just want to help her do stuff. And plus, she's a girl on top of that, which is a whole nother level of concern. Right. You know what I mean? I worry about her. Like uh, somebody once said to me, uh, 20 years ago or something, you know, when you got a, a son, you got to worry about everywhere where he's putting his dick. But when you have a daughter, you got to worry about every other dick and where they're putting it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you know, it's so weird because I mean, I never even thought of that. I mean, my yeah. wife and I have been together for 27 years and back post more than 27 years ago. I mean, I, I never even thought about it from the girl's perspective of like yeah i'm getting in a car and going somewhere but it, it's just times that you like i just kids nowadays it, they not all of them i often see here's an example uh, a guy that worked at uh, a company with me he was part-time uh, while he's finishing high school and when he graduated high school he bought a forty thousand dollar plus dodge challenger Mm-hmm. And I go, I go, oh, you bought that, did you? And he goes, yeah, I bought it. And I go, mm, okay. And I go, your own money? And I go, because I'm being woefully underpaid if they're paying you the kind of money it is as a part and all this. He goes, well, yeah, it was my own money. I go, wow, nice savings. He goes, well, I used my graduation money. I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, I got 40 grand for graduation. Ah. And I'm just yeah. like, I mean, I think I... I may have gotten an electric typewriter in 1986 with uh, my, my high school graduation. I'm trying to remember. I mean, I, I was just amazed, but they said it like, um, like it was nobody, like it was was literally, yeah. Like it was literally, (laughs) well, I earned that. I did graduate from high school. (laughs) Yeah. That would freaking make my head explode. Yeah. Uh, And, And it seems to be even like, and here's another thing. That I, and this is, I don't know if I'd throw it under entitlement. I think I'd throw it under a huge umbrella. But when we get a dusting of snow here, or maybe they'll say one to three inches, which really isn't that big of a deal here in the Midwest, um, people would call out of work. Young, uh, mostly young people would call out and they'd be like, Yeah, I can't come in today because of the weather. Yeah. And, and, and no one would say yeah. anything. And so I would always, I go, so did you try coming in and you couldn't make it? Like, you know, I, I don't know what type of car, like your car doesn't do well in this. You need, your tires are bald. I mean, I don't really care. Is there some reason you, you, you attempted 
and you failed to be able to make it in. And they're like, no, it just it just looked it just didn't look good out. So I decided not to come in today. Oh. They should just said that up front. Yeah. Or just not called. I mean, I'm just like <laughs> it just Or just not come in ever. <laughs> yeah. But then then they'll say, you know, and the other thing that I think is I I, once again, I wouldn't call it under entitlement, but when the younger generations think they have thought of something for the first time ever, like a yeah. four-day work week. Like I've seen lots of things where like, we can't wait till we take over the professional offices because four-day work week, sure. You need more extra PTO, no problem. You're out of uh, paid time off, no problem. And it's like, have you really thought that no one's tried to do this and it doesn't work for what they call business? Yeah. But, well, that's the thing of youth, the arrogance of youth thinking that you're a, a genius, you know, and usually that's not the case Yeah. for most people. Well, and I made that comment. There's a uh, gentleman that was on Antonio Centeno. He has uh, real men, real style. It's a YouTube channel and I follow him on Instagram as well. And he had asked a few days ago, he goes, um, what would young guys like to say to older guys? And most of the comments were like about older guys being closed minded. And, uh-huh. you know, you need to open your mind and take new things. And so my response, which actually got a lot of positive feedback was, you know, maybe it's we're not closed-minded. We've just already done that. It does not work, and we're just trying to help you with what we call wisdom, which you accrue with age or something. Yeah. To the, you know, but but it is true. It's not, and and that's what bugs me. It's like God, no one ever thought of a four-day work week before. That is amazing. Congratulations. We, yep, freaking brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, do you? How are the? I'm gonna tie this back into your. Uh, current profession, uh, real estate, how are younger people to deal with and say someone that's maybe our age, which mid fifties is parent. I mean, that's like college age. Uh, I, you and I are youngest are the same age. So, um, so do you notice something in real estate for, do they expect different things out? Uh, like, do they feel entitled that, Oh, I'm buying a house or something. Have you seen that kind of change? at all uh not in not in buyers and customers at all in fact i i uh went to great pains to build my business up here in a way that 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 the people who are asking me for help are not people like that (laughs) are people that i can that relate to me and already have an idea of what i'm like because they've already seen videos or me talking somewhere on the internet so usually they're they're calling me because of that and and that way i'm not I'm not getting people that uh, it's just, it just works so much better. I mean, instead of chasing people and trying to work with people that just are a nightmare. Uh, uh, so anyway, I, I don't have, I don't have, you don't have to deal too with much that. Of that issue. So do you not, deal not much, much with now that you're out of the military, do you have to deal much in day to day with uh, the younger generations? Yes. So one of the things that I did notice is up here in Seattle, like, a, you know, every, every place has like a, I don't know, just young people have a certain vibe, you know? Right. Uh, like in San Francisco, they had one at a certain time. They have a certain vibe. Uh, in San Jose, it was kind of different, you know, because it was, you know, just different. Uh, up here in Seattle, it's different too. And I uh, just, I, I noticed 
uh, you know, like, uh, you know, all the real estate shows on television, you got all these yeah. agents on there being all flamboyant right. and uh, flashy and just, you know, selling stuff and flipping stuff and whatever. Right. Uh, there's just a lot of young people, um, a, a lot of young agents, I guess, uh, that I see that, that are just trying to emulate that, like, identically. And it's just weird, man. It just, it just, it comes off to me. But, but I kind of keep that private. It just comes off to me as fucking weird. Uh, and like, for example, I had a listing in West Seattle uh, last year, and uh, you know, it was, uh, it was definitely a, like a fixer-upper or something because it was an older, basically, it was an estate sale. Uh-huh. And uh, this, I had a lot of young agencies around the you know, late twenties. Uh, showing up with these offers and they were just I mean they were basically dressed unbelievably casually and surly as fuck you know what I mean and I'm yeah. like hey uh I'm the one with the listing dumbass right <laughs> it's like they don't understand that the hand that they're they're biting is the one that's also trying to feed them or what yeah you're the, the one they're trying to get stuff from. And by the way, I'm talking to five other people just today. So how about stop wasting my effing time? And, you know, are you going to put an offer in on this place? Are you, you know, what the hell are you doing? So basically they call me up and try to give me a bunch of bullshit, you know, or try, try to tell me uh, 50 reasons why my listing is wrong uh, before they, they tell me they want to place an offer for less than I than I have it listed for. I, I, I just, I just shut that shit down. But, but the, it's just the, the arrogance for me, from my perspective is, is comical. And it's, and this is kind of goes not, not just real estate agents, this goes beyond into the generation, I think. And I was talking about my, my own daughter, you know, my own daughter isn't super entitled. I don't think she, I mean, she doesn't like expect $40,000 gifts right. at all. Uh, but, uh, but yet she doesn't expect that yet. Yes. <laughs> I think the generation as a whole though is kind of just like they expect things to just happen or fall into their lap without having to actually uh do any long, tedious, hard work for any length of time. Right. You know what I'm saying? They just expect shit to just magically happen. And it the fucking world doesn't work like that. You know, you in order to to build something building implies work <laughs> you know what i mean it implies stacking things on top of other things right i mean you gotta have a foundation first it's called going to school and getting educated or somehow getting educated you know well it so, was yeah. um in the tv show tulsa tulsa king with sylvester stallone at one point he talks about college where he's like it's not so much about what you get the degree and it's showing a potential employer that you can you can focus on one thing. You can uh, show up uh, and do the menial task at hand to get the minimal. You know, that, that that's what it's showing people. Uh, it's not always about the degree. I mean, my wife, uh, she got her degree oh, in 99, 1999. And uh, I, she finally used it 20 some odd years later. But I mean, that was just by by happenstance i mean she was she loved her career that she was in what she was doing but she wasn't using her degree but it did show employers that she was someone that could do something and accomplish uh certain goals which i agree with you i i think that a lot of the young people just think that oh well it should be 
like this and it's like well, it should why? be automatic yeah and the same thing and this in the same thing for i mean people just come out of college uh you know that's that's great college is great it's a, like you just said it's a demonstration that you could do something military is the same way you get out of the military with an honorable discharge you showed up you managed to get through that shit without going to jail right <laughs> that's pretty fucking serious you know that's an accomplishment so either one of those things demonstrates that a person's gonna freaking be able to perform you know what i mean but, well, when, but, when, but then getting out, then getting out and then just expecting a, a management position because you have a degree or you were a leader for, for 18 months, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, no, you're, you're going to have to start at entry level. I'm sorry. You know, you're still 22 and you know what I mean? And this is a new business and you don't know anything about it. You know what I'm saying? Well, so, and at my last uh, position, my last full-time position, I was a camera rep uh, inside Best Buy. And the store manager and the his assistant store manager, their combined age was two years younger than me. Wow. And they're everyone and I did say at one point, and I was so here's the thing. I I was very upfront and I was just being honest, and I know sometimes that will come off as brutal, but I don't I'm not meaning there's no malice. Like when I say, yeah. well, I don't see that you could be a a, a store manager outside this structure. You have had yeah. favorable circumstances that boded well for you, but I don't see that translating outside of here because I see a lack yeah. of leadership qualities. Well, oh, that that person ended brutality. up, yeah. So that person ended up um, leaving Best Buy, and one night, late on a Friday night, I get a call from my my old store manager, and I wasn't gonna answer. My wife is like, "You got it," because it's like ten thirty on a, a Friday night. It's like you know what is going on, and um, they may have had a drink or two. But they, because they were saying that they were taking over a new store and a different line of retail, and they wanted me to come to them for their help with their customer experience and things. And I know that that had to be hard, but I think it was also he was trying to prove I can do this. But I do think that they feel entitled because you get these young people that get these titles. And then, like me growing up in retail, as a manager, if there was a department that was short and we needed help there, I would stay even though I was, because I'm the manager. I mean, I, that's yeah. where it ends. You know, that's yep. part of doing that. You know, you're on salary for a reason, not that you work 40 hours. Yeah. Never once in four years did I see this person even work on an evening. And prior to the pandemic, we were open till nine o'clock most evenings. Not once do they work past, I believe, 530, maybe six at the very latest which is not how, how you lead from the front or be a manager, but they expect because they have this title that they don't need to run the registers, do the inventory, do this, do that, because they're above that, and that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I think they feel yep. that way because they never had to take the steps to get really take the steps. It was yep. expedited. Like back in the day when I was a manager with Best Buy back in the late 90s, it was – I was on the young side and I was in my late 30s or I was in my uh, mid 30s in the late 90s. So um, and I was on the very, very young side. Most of them were 40s and 50s. And now you would be surprised to walk into a Best Buy and see anyone really over the age of 25. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, true. Yeah. Yeah. But it it is funny because 
a whole bunch of these people from Best Buy are leaving, or from what I understand, leaving to follow this person to this other job. And that's also a way. All you're doing is surrounding your yourself with people that you know they're going to say yes to you. And yep. uh, you're you're giving these people raises or whatever because you can, and they think that they did something to earn that. When it's yep. it's fealty, like that's the that's the thing that bugged yeah. me about John Wick Three. I'm not cutting my finger off for anyone. Sorry, <laughs> I mean, enough's enough. It's, so I don't I don't that's think crazy. I have much of a will to live. I mean, I do, but I don't. I mean, like if I'm like. Yeah, that seems like it'd be a lot of effort. You know, go ahead and if I could die in two days, go ahead and just kill me now. I mean, let's just get this over with. So, but I could not do that. Do my fealty, and it seems like a young, a lot of young people uh, do that to each other. I mean, even influencers do that. They'll comment on each other's, you know, uh, other podcasts like video podcasts. That's one thing I can't stand watching them. It seems like every podcast has the same guest on them. Like if I like a certain person, then I watch them uh, have a guest, and then they're on that guest podcast with someone else, and it's all—it's just—I don't know. I sound like an old man, which I know I'm getting to be. Get off my lawn! I actually thought of that as a uh, as the title of this show because as the stone genius, I have had a lot of people that would not want to be on the show because it has the word stoned in it, which has always cracked me up because it also has the word genius in it. But I yeah. see how stone get, gets more weight in that. Um, the negative always does. That's how it is. I know. That just, but you know, you, that's because also people have to demonize someone yeah. else. Yeah. They because you need to. You can't make your. You're worried about you're not making yourself look good enough. So let's make this other person look bad. Um, I remember. Yeah. I'll tell a story. I was at a high school golf tournament for our oldest, and there was someone that was blatantly cheating. And here's just a thing that if you were going to cheat in the game of golf, if you're going to drop a ball um, because you thought you lost your ball or it went out of bounds, don't use personalized balls. I'm just Mm -hmm. saying because that's kind of your evidence. Uh, So anyway, I should not have, but I said something. I walked by someone. I said, you're a better golfer than that at the end of a round. So they went and told their their coach, and then the next day, the the uh, uh, athletic director of our daughter's high school called and said that I was drunk on the golf course. They said hmm. that people saw you drinking beer out there on the golf course, and you're drunk, and then you got into it with some. So all of it was bad. All of it was to demonize me. So because I was having to fight at that point, because this was uh-huh. not about what I said to the golfer. This was now about. I shouldn't be drinking beer uh, on a golf course, which odd thing at 55 years old, I don't drink beer. I've never drank beer. I have maybe had a handful of sips of beer. I cannot stand the taste. It's because that couldn't have possibly come out of your mouth unless you were liquored up. Well, yeah, exactly. So they have to demonize me because, oh, this guy, because that's what I was having to defend myself for. And that's what I told them. And I actually said to the guy, I go, I will sign over the deed to our fucking house if you can find anyone who has ever seen me drink a beer, has ever seen me order a beer and drink a beer, I will sign over our goddamn house to you. Because I was like, I can't believe I'm having this conversation with you. Because Mm -hmm. this is not the, see, this is what they did. It's not about the cheating or any of that. It has, now all of this has to do with me and you think that I'm drinking out on the golf course. 
Uh, and once again, it's not that I, and I wasn't drinking, uh, at that time at all. I think we were drinking water because it's golf and it was on a golf course in the, I think it was late spring, but anyway, there was no alcohol involved. There was no beer involved, but they had to say something to demonize me because they had well, to change the subject. The ego was, the ego was bruised. Yeah. You can't let that go. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. You got to freaking destroy it. Well, it was funny. So another time, um, and this, this is, uh, I guess this is some sort of entitlement, which I, I don't get. I was playing golf and I was by myself and I'd been following, I ended up catching up to a young boy and his mom and he was playing and she was obviously trying to coach him or whatever. So we finally get to the fucking last hole. I, the, the last hour had dragged on because I was behind these people. And so he was up in the, the right bunker and uh, a fairway bunker and I see him take a swing, a whole bunch of sand come out, and I see the mom throw another golf ball into the bunker. Hmm. Happens again. She throws another ball into the bunker. Oh, hell no. So I finally use my, oi! And they look back, and I just put my arms up. Like, what are you doing? Happens again. So I, I just, I went, I think I went, oi, again. When they looked, I let them see that I was addressing the ball. And I knew that I could clear that. I, I was confident enough in my my game that I knew that I was going to clear that bunker by a long, but I knew I could do a, dry, a flyby. So right over their head. So nice. they drive off. Uh, so as I'm finishing the hole, the, the head of the golf course comes out, and he's like, what are you doing? I go, what are you talking about? He goes, you hit into those people or right over their head. And I go, oh, I go, because they kept hitting ball after ball after ball, out of the the bunker and he looks at me because they didn't tell him that part of the story and i go in fact if you don't believe my story go look out in the fairway because they left all those balls he hit out because they drove off so fast Mm -hmm. and so he went out there and he came back and apologized me because they didn't tell me that part of the story i go well no shit they didn't because it makes them look bad and at this point they had already left and driven off but uh you know it's stuff like that you know doing something that you just Fuck, you know, we have uh, to get on the highway here on exit to get on to the highway. They have at rush hour, these uh, stoplights and they'll flash and like two cars are supposed to be able to go at a time uh, when you get a green. And, you know, invariably you'll get three, four, five and they just keep going and going. I d- they don't even pay attention. And that drives me insane because I always say I actually wonder how many people could actually pass a written driving test that have their licenses right now. Yeah, that's a real question. <laughs> you I mean, know, I, this 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 whole conversation rem, reminds me of one of the one of the things that I really miss about the Marine Corps, in that the culture is uh, very receptive to receiving correction. You know what I mean? From like day one, right? You're being told you're all fucked up, and and uh, you are in fact all fucked up if you're if you're have half a brain, you realize that you're all fucked up and don't know a goddamn thing. And just experiencing that feeling alone is really helps you kind of grow up a little bit. You know what I mean? There's people walking around that I've seen in the last couple of days that haven't experienced that and they need to. Yeah. <laughs> really bad. But the best part of it is that the whole cult, because it starts like that, it kind of, the, the Marine Corps kind of insists on retaining that. And, and one of the big leadership principles is that, you, you know, you, is is something called integrity, which they uh, it's not about physical integrity, but but uh, 
uh, you know, your your ethical integrity. Right. In that you're you're not lying. You know, you're not telling stories. And when you're fucked up and somebody it, somebody comes to tell you you're fucked up, it's your duty to shut the fuck up, listen to what they're saying. And if you're fucked up, correct yourself. Right. Period. And and it's also your duty to unfuck the person next to you if they're fucked up. And and that's how it works. It doesn't matter what the rank is. Yeah. And so, I- so in that environment, oh, my God, improvement is so easy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you don't but, see that now. I mean, no one wants to tell anyone they're wrong. If they do, they're afraid of getting canceled by their friends. You know, it's it, yeah. it's gotten to where it. Well, I have I, I, I translate this like a couple of years ago when we had all the cancel police and uh, or defund police and all that bullshit. I, I liken this, and even before that, uh, you know, when, and police have done a lot of fucked up shit. Police, and here's the thing, okay? Number one, pl- being a police officer has got to be the hardest job on earth. It's got to. Yeah. Because you're dealing with the 10% of the community that is always a fucking problem. Period. Yeah. That's what you do. That's not fucking easy. Uh, you, you, you know, so because that's not easy, it's going to require, and because of the nature of it, it's going to require an unbelievably high ethical virtue, like un, like beyond reproach type of ethical. Right. You, you got to have that. I mean, because you've got too much fucking power. You've got to have that. And the only way that any community of people, group, big group of people is going to be able to achieve that is by calling each other out and being receptive to being called out and correcting themselves. Right. And I, I've never seen that anywhere outside the Marine Corps to include any any police department that I've ever been exposed to. So, yeah. Or if you, if you get called out to be corrected, at least ha- if you're if you're like, well, this is, I mean, at least have a reason of why you're doing what you're doing. That's well, another yes, thing that absolutely. drives me insane. Some, sometimes there is, there is a reason for stuff. Right. And, and, and once that reason becomes known, well, fuck, let me help you. You know, right. you know, that, that kind of stuff. So yeah. It's Cause it's, one of the things, and I had mentioned this on a show a long time ago, it may have been the show that I do with my wife, but uh, our church was opening up a new location. We have these satellite locations throughout Kansas City, like struggling United Methodist Church. We would we would take them over um, and, and kind of. So anyway, one of them is down near uh, the Plaza Westport area, which is in a. So in the suburbs where my mom lives, it's white, and white would mm-hmm. be an understatement. Uh, it's it's white. And um, I don't know, but it's well less than, I would say less than 5%. I don't know for a fact, but I would say there's less than 5% of any type of anything other than Caucasian where my mom lives. Um, So where this church was opening up, it is not like that. And so my mom had said that the pastor that was going down there was female. And my, so my mom goes, well, she's going to have a lot of trouble there. And I actually, hmm. so I think that maybe, and I don't know whether it was because that's a different demographic and my mom couldn't wrap her head why someone would want to go there. But when I asked her, well, why would she have trouble going there? My mom just looked at me with this totally blank look and she was like, what do you mean? I go, well, you said that she would have trouble going there, so why? 
And she just literally looked at me blank. And I don't know whether she couldn't answer me or wouldn't answer me. But it's like, if you're going to say something, a statement like that, like, I don't think this person would be a good president. Okay, mm-hmm. why? You should have a why, not just look blankly at the person after that. Or why they would be a good president, not good, whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. You need to have, and I wanted to touch on the police real quick, because sometimes I've gotten flack for the way I I word this. When people talk about um, police going into a uh, active shooter situation and that they were real heroes, I go, well, actually, they were just doing their fucking job. And I don't mean to be coarse about that, but I think that anyone that goes into that line of work and firefighters and paramedics and first responders, they're heroes to begin with. So mm-hmm. that because they're doing jobs that we wouldn't do. I don't want to be afraid for my life every time I I approach a car at night because I don't know what's going to happen to me for someone I just pulled over for speeding. Mm -hmm. So I don't want that type of stress. So they're always heroes. And so when they, when they, I go, you know, no, they're just doing their job because they're like, Oh, they did this. So the same thing after nine 11, those firefighters, I always think firefighters are heroes. That's a job that I would not in, uh, I would not be able to do and no one should want me. Like, if we could reassign jobs, no one's gonna go. Hey, Ro, you should be the firefighter. No one's gonna. I can't. I'm. I'm old. I'm brittle. I shouldn't be carrying anything, much less a human, out of a fire. So, but you know, they were actually just doing their jobs because everyone's like they're heroes. Yeah, they're heroes every day. And unfortunately, being that hero led them into the buildings. But that was I. I think of them as heroes as every day. And so sometimes I, I, I word it incorrectly, but. That is tough, and um, you know that's. I can never do that. I mean that. Well, the problem is sometimes that you know you you don't always have time to to express the full thought, right. you know, in a conversation, and they only get a sound bite. And then yeah, and my problem the, the is I don't care what people go. think of me, but then they start telling other people. Oh, it's like, well, that's yes. actually not what I said, but yeah, because yeah. I. You know, I couldn't. I remember there was the, the there was a school shooting where the officer did not go in, and he got yeah. a lot of grief for that. But I mean, just like any job, there are people that are going to step up, and there are going to be people that should be able to do a job, and then for whatever reason they recoil. Like uh, I've seen it in. It's weird now that I sell like orthotic shoes and stuff. We are always fucking busy. You would. It's unbelievable at how bad people treat their feet. And how much yeah. they need to come buy shoes from us. And we're a very specialty store. But I've seen um, uh, a potential employee after potential employee come in and they are just, they can't believe how busy we are. And yeah. so that's your job, you know. And they, they said they had one person that came in and worked like a week before I got there and then just left and never came back because this first few days it wasn't busy. And then the next few days, you know, you can't even take a breath, which I like because the day's just over. Oh, but, yeah. you know, young people, they're like, oh, I, I can't believe that. You know, I, I need time to think. I had one guy that I was trying to, I, I thought maybe good coming from Best Buy. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I don't think I could do that. I go, why? And he goes, I need smoke breaks. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, okay. I mean, and that's where as a genius, I just look at people and I, because I, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out that thought process. Because they've just yeah. eliminated me from asking them a whole bunch of stuff. Like saving yeah. my life. If I'm choking, I'll look elsewhere. Thank you. <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> All 
I have, there, there, there's a reason, and I'm gonna say I have so few friends, but I'll hear my my. I, I need my wife laughing in the background, and she's not here to do that. But yeah, because sometimes I'm, I just say shit, and it comes out incorrectly. I like her uh, with you. Yeah. Um, here's a note that I had written down, not for this uh, show in particular, but I I wrote down I like to gaslight people because I'm smart. Huh. I mean, sometimes I do think it's funny. There was that I can yeah. keep a serious face no matter what I say. Uh, there was a person that came into Best Buy once. Um, this is, I didn't say I was the best employee at Best Buy. Uh, yeah. It wasn't my department. I'm a, I'm a photography guy. So they're asking me about Avatar, which I've never seen. Yeah. And they were asking me about the uh, limited edition that we were apparently sold out of. And they go, do you know what's different about it? I go, well, the unicorns. He goes, what do you mean? I go, well, they cut out. There's like a 23-minute thing where there was a big unicorn battle, and it was completely cut out of the original movie. And the guy's just staring at me in disbelief. He goes, seriously? I go, yeah. I go, go, we can't go to YouTube on our computer right there, which we could. Uh, and it may have even been on YouTube at this time. I go, but when you get home, you can even look this up. I go, you can see it's hard to find, but you can find these uh, the the versions out there. But that's why you can't find the limit. And he literally thought they were unicorns. Twenty three minutes worth of a unicorn battle in the limited edition Avatar. Yeah, I used to uh, I used to take pleasure in messing with people a little bit like that myself. Uh, especially people that were messing with me, like like uh, out of uh, laziness. Yes. You know what I mean? Like when people are like just being fucking lazy and trying to get me to do shit for them. Like like like, like wait a minute. <laughs> like like I don't have time. You know, like I don't have shit to do. You know, bringing bringing your dumb shit over here. Oh, I just I can't even tell you how many directions shit like that can come from yeah and that's uh Mm -hmm. you know when i often say that i want to be a cult leader and our oldest daughter bought me a shirt that says it has the kool-aid man on it and it says let's start a cult um and that's funny it is but even 30 year olds don't understand jonestown which yeah just is kind of amazing it just seems like that was so big and i was 12 i think when that happened 11 or 12 Uh, i think that happened in 79 but I mean, 970 some odd people, I think 976 commit suicide in a cult. And it just seems like, I, I don't know why I feel like more people should know that. I mean, know about I think it's stuff just out like of their that. time range. Probably, probably the, the, the thing that, that those folks are thinking about is the Heaven's Gate folks from the 90s. Remember, they, I don't oh, remember yeah. how there were several of them, but they were freaking nuts. And, and that was all over the television at the time, too. So, yeah, I know. Probably just a different thing. So, uh, for example, I, I was born in 69. I don't remember, obviously, Martin Luther King getting shot because right. I wasn't out. But my wife, you know, 61, uh, she remembers. And and every time April 4th comes around, she's. See, and that's. You know, it doesn't occur to me. And right. she's sad, you know, and I, I oh, yeah. So fucking stupid. You know? Yeah. I mean, my, so my wife is seven years, six and a half years younger than I am. It's seven. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it, I say six and a half, but it is, uh, but I mean, we do that every once in a while. I, I found out most recently though, it has more to do with like last year I fell in the summer. And my wife's mm-hmm. like, how did you fall? And I go, well, I fell. And she goes, how did you fall? I go, well, I was walking and then I wasn't walking. 
And she goes, no. She goes, did you trip then? I go, no. And I go, you're not. I go, I'm telling you all the facts to the story, honey. Just listen. I was walking and then I was not walking. Yep. And she, she still looked at me. And so I just go, you know what? How about we revisit this conversation about seven years? Because I just figured she'll probably figure it out by then because it just wasn't going through. But, yes, yeah, sometimes just shit happens and, uh, you know, you they don't understand. You know, one of you don't understand. But I haven't found that to be nearly as bad. Um, you were talking earlier about being entitled. Uh, we were talking just about being entitled and kids and things like that. When I met my wife, it was... Not a one night stand, but it was pretty fucking close to it. She did go home with me the first night, but so anyway, uh, we had our first child nine and a half months after we met. And there is nothing leading up to my age of 28 when this happened that would lead anyone to believe that I would be a good father. I mean, they would be like, you would continue to be a good child for someone, um, but you, they just couldn't see it. And I think I ended up being a good father. And I think I've always felt it's weird because I don't know what it is. Maybe there's just something missing in me. And, and I kind of feel like, uh, I don't know if it's entitled, but I, I just never worry about shit. Like when our, our, when our uh, youngest was born um, six and a half weeks early, I, she was in the NICU. I never even thought, oh, this is bad. I was just like, shit, we got to go to the hospital every four hours to feed her. Never yeah. once did I, I give it a bad thought. I mean, when I yeah. would go to sleep, the kids, you know, when they could start staying out, you know, late at night and stuff, I never thought about that. And so maybe that's a part of me feeling entitled because I have literally never had anything horrible go in my life. And maybe I have, well, and I, I just don't know it. Well, well, yeah, but but maybe it's also you having the intellect to talk through or think through a situation and getting to the resolution and realizing that if something goes this way, that way, or the other way, that we have lots of solutions for those things. Right. So there's really no sense in worrying about it and to move forward. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, it sounds to me. Yeah, I think like that's exactly what I was thinking. That's, that's, there's nothing wrong with that, man. That's called a superpower that, that, uh, you can be resilient where others can't because they're freaking out about shit. In fact, that, that's a, that is one difference between my wife and I is, is that right there? I mean, I'm, I'm a little more like that. My wife is a little more, uh, uh, she worries about stuff more, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. But she's a mother. I mean, can you blame her? I mean, she's a mother of three kids. Together, we have four daughters, you know, so we worry all the time about where our daughters are, you know? You know, I sometimes wonder, like, I wish I could just hear what I sound like when I talk to my wife sometimes. So she'll sometimes worry about doing something maybe she hasn't done before. So we just had our new international airport open here in Kansas City. She was literally flying out three days after it opened or on the third day that it opened. Um mm -hmm. And she was nervous about that because she was used to the familiarity with the old airport and how it was laid out and how the gates were and, and the processes and everything. Once she walked through those doors, once she got out of my car, everything was brand new. And I just told her, I go, first of all, it's going to be brand new to almost everyone else that's here to, with you today. And secondly, and I'll, I'll point to someone, I go, if that fucker can do it, you can do it. <laughs> That's a good point. But I mean, and I do that all the time. I will look at someone and I'm in, yes, I know I am judging someone, 
but I honestly believe it too. I'll just be like, well, that fucker can do it. I can do this too. Like I didn't think I could do something, but I think I have this power now because that idiot can do it. So, but yeah, I wonder how I sound when I say that to my wife. She's just, gosh. Um, so how long have you and your wife been together? Uh, six years. We just had our sixth anniversary. Well, hold on. I get something for that too. There we go. Nice. So that, uh, you know, it's Bobby and I, we have, I, I don't know if it's, we always say we have a weird relationship just because at this point in 27 years, I literally don't think there's anything either one of us could say to surprise one another. Um, sure. The last thing I said to surprise her was a few years back when I've always held the belief that people should have to have a license to have children. Um <laughs> I love that. I've always said that if you have to have a license to cut someone's hair in the state of Kansas, you should probably have a license to have kids. So yeah. I'd, I'd always held this before I met my wife. Afterwards, I know what it's called. It's called eugenics. I, I get there's negative connotations to it. I get it. I'm just saying if I was rule of the world, I may, I may I'm whatever. But anyway, so we come home one time. We, we had been on a trip, and I told my wife, I go, you know, I have changed my mind. She goes, about what? Because that's not something I usually do. And I go, about having people to have licenses to have children. And it, you would have thought that someone had punched her because it was that shocking, that statement coming out of my mouth. But then I followed it up with, because there is no test I could have developed and given your parents that they could have passed allowing them to have you. <laughs> so, it, so, it, so then she had to weigh out what I was saying there, but it, it was kind of, and she, they are, they are, they are very nice people, but I would not put them in the triple digit IQ club. Yeah. That being said, yeah. I, because I do some of the things I remember when we used to live next door to him in Wichita, which we did for about a year, you know, it would be 50 degrees out. I would come home and our daughter would be over there who was like two or three at the time playing in the hose. Yeah. And I'm just like, how did your kids survive? I don't, I mean, how do they not have hypothermia? It just, yeah. so yeah. So it was just funny that when I said that to my wife, because I generally don't, I'm not against changing my my opinion. I just have facts to back it up. I, I welcome anyone if they have a differing opinion. We'll talk it out because I'm open to changing it. I just feel like I've thought about a lot of stupid stuff that I probably shouldn't have. Um, like I'm gonna have a whole episode on the cocaine bear, and I am so excited. Have you seen that movie yet? No. Oh my gosh. Um, the cocaine bear. Yeah, yeah. It's on Peacock. It was in the theaters. It's on Peacock. I refused to pay money to see it because I was like, I am not seeing a stupid movie about a stupid bear on cocaine. And I, eh, I'm glad I didn't pay money for it, but, and I am because we subscribed to Peacock. But that being said, it was a very good movie. I'm going to do an episode on it because hmm. it was so uh, incredible. Uh, let's see. What else do I got read on notes? that? Um, do you know who Andrew Tate is? Uh, the name's ringing a bell, but it's some toxic uh, masculinity guy. And so I was, there was, I was going to do an episode on toxic ma masculinity coming up. And so I had done some research on this guy and I don't, I think the problem with the young men today is they think this guy is cool. 
Because, I mean, I cannot... I think he's a douchebag. That's just the vibe I get from him. And if someone didn't think he was a douchebag, then I would be concerned about that person too and probably wouldn't hang out with them just because I would question their judgment. But yeah, and, and the stuff that he spews, his toxic mask, it's just weird. I had never heard of him. And then when I typed toxic masculinity in, he came up and he came up a lot. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a... That's a subject that's pretty annoying. I I I have a real problem with uh, with uh, the idea that we're going to buck Mother Nature. Mother Nature, we we developed the way we developed for a reason. Yeah, we are the way we are for a reason. We are what we are. I'm a dude. I got testosterone running through my old ass veins even still, and I'm an asshole sometimes. Sometimes I fucking turn into a very aggressive person. You know, uh, that's just part of that testosterone thing. Right. Um, and, and you're supposed to be able to do that. So, that's, and when that's I, part of when yeah. I wrote this down, because I actually wrote down another note that I'll say in just a second that, um, but uh, no, what did you just say? So I've been smoking too much weed this afternoon because I was going to add um, on I, to that. Uh, I was just saying that, that the whole toxic, toxic masculinity idea. Uh, is is kind of silly because you're trying they're trying to buck against mother oh how so, many years of mother nature i mean millennia of mother yeah. nature getting us to where we are and they're going to freaking change it with a thought or a freaking demand yeah no and that's uh so that was the thing on the toxic max masculinity that they a lot of these guys so i did an episode on incels which someone from the high iq society over in europe they were having a big trouble they go you should do an uh, uh, episode on incels and I'm like I don't know what that is and so they they is involuntary celibate males and they do a lot of mass shootings they but it's the weird thing is there's such fucking douchebags but talking about uh, entitlement they think that girls should want to go out with them just because they're guys mm -hmm. and so yeah. circling back to Best Buy Everyone that I worked with, an, with a, I was at Best Buy, I was at least 25 years older then. There was one guy that I think was 30. Everyone else there was younger than that. Uh, almost entirely male. I think we had maybe a couple of females that worked in the entire building. And they used to call me Chad. And I go, I don't know what that means. And they go, oh, well, in high school, you would have been a Chad. I go, I don't know what that means. And the weird thing is when I did uh, my episode on incels, I found out what chads were, which made me think that all these guys that I worked were with incels. And once I started looking at them through that uh, lens, it totally made sense. Like just their behaviors. Like, you know, like if, if they thought a girl was nice, but she was like, didn't want to go out with them. Hey, can you go out Friday? I can't go out Friday. You're a fucking bitch. And it's like, she just said she couldn't go out Friday. Mm -hmm. And, but they expect that, they should be, you know, one of the things uh, I'd seen on a recent video was uh, guys say that they don't like to date because they feel like all they're doing is going out and spending money and they don't get anything in return. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, yeah. it's called an investment. I mean, you're investing your time, your energy, your personality to see with them as well. I mean, I, I just can't even, the, for someone to make a statement like that just blew me away. It's very one-sided. Yeah. At least, uh, you know, I have a very probably weird opinion about uh, the uh, incel 
relationship to the mass shooter thing, you know, have you ever noticed, I mean, if you ever go to like a, a ranch or a place where they have horses or they breed horses, they have, you know, these, these stallions, these freaking young male horses that have never gotten laid right. and they tend to act extremely effing wild right. and angry all the time. And they're really kind of dangerous to be around. And there's a reason for that. You know what I mean? And nature has developed them a drive in within them a drive to to uh, procreate. So uh, until they do that, until they experience that, they're going to be extremely fucking uncomfortable and extremely agitated because that's the way nature made them. Yeah, I think nature made that all uh, all of us like that to some degree, and I think all of even uh, you know humans are out there experiencing that same stuff. So I have a solution. You take, but here's what you do. It provides jobs. This is going to be very controversial. It's going to be hilarious. It'll provide jobs and it'll solve all of this incel problem, uh, as well as uh, probably a whole bunch of uh, uh, active shooter issues. Uh, you make prostitution legal in every state. Number Hold one. on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Number yeah. two, these incels. Uh, you get them in there and you get them taken care of at least one time. If it has to be state funded, then so be it. You get them in there, make it a rite of passage, turn them 18, run them through that fucking house, get them in there once, at least once, just to get it out of their system or at least experience it and dial well, the goddamn pressure back. You know what I'm saying? Or at least be able to do that if they want it. Like, I think that uh, I can't even. I, I don't understand that. And, and I do, I do sometimes, I guess I can understand sometimes the frustration is that my, one of my good friends from high school, when they were going to college, they were getting their PhD up in Chicago in the early nineties. And I used to go up to visit him and we would go to clubs there. I remember there was one called Excalibur and we would go in and, uh, Mitch is a very good, uh, looking man. Problem is he's like five, eight. I'm 6'5", and I'm at least average looking, but I'm 6'5". And so he would always ask me, he goes, why do girls always see you and always come up to you and talk to you? And it's like, because they can see me. I'm literally a head taller than everyone else here. So they can see me, and I'm like a beacon. You blend in. They can't see, unless they're standing next to you. If there's one other person your exact size, they have now become the eclipse, and now she can't see you. I go, I stand out which yep. can be good and bad, but I do understand because he would get frustrated with that. Cause we'd go out and what do these girls come up and, and it's like, I don't know because I'm tall and I don't, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know why I was popular. I don't know why my wife looked at me. Actually I do. I was wearing my old Tampa Bay Buccaneers creamsicle orange uh, parka uh, the night we met and I walked in and she was like, why is there a fucker in here with a hunting jacket on? But at least I stuck out. So, I mean, that worked out for me. Uh, so I wouldn't, I'm going to have to ask. Um, so on the show before I've had Liv LaRue, who is a, a courtesan of Madame in Reno. And so I'll have to ask her about that. She's been on the show three times, but that's one question I've never asked about has, does anyone, I mean, I, I guess I, I don't think I've ever asked her whether anyone comes as their first time. 
I'm sure they've had to. I just it's didn't ask. Yeah. And, and, and it, it's, it needs to be option. I'm telling you, it will curb mass shootings. Yeah. It will definitely curb the incel thing. Uh, it, it'll change the world, man. <laughs> yeah. And, and I don't understand why that the, uh, I get it. Uh, America was founded by um, the Puritan. So we, we hate the, the body, which is funny because I, I don't understand that at all. But, you know, we can't talk about sex. We can't, it, you know, the, the body is, don't even give me, uh, I, I want to say, you know, they, 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 they want to say they don't want to show off the body, but yet they're, everyone in America seems to be trying to make their bodies as big as possible so they can show them off. Hold on, I got something for that. Uh, so, um, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, let's see, what else do I have? Um, what anything else that bothers you right now about any group, any group of people out? Not any group of people. I don't mean it like that, but like young people, I just have a problem with, and I don't understand why it's gotten so combative either. Well, it's just the the the, the expectation of reward for showing up, just for showing up without yeah. even having to do the work. You know what I mean? Sometimes the work. The actual work, the dedicated work, is painful and long and tedious and arduous. And they don't get that. They expect that they show up and pff, rewards are flooding. with, And they're just like learning how to do the work, you know, if doing it at all. You know, I mean, I've just seen a lot of that. It drives me crazy. I got to find... Any more young kids? I gotta stop. I gotta, I gotta find my note. I had written some state, and I want to say it's North Carolina... I wrote it down somewhere. Um, some state outlawed participation trophies, which I think is amazing. That is so fucking ridiculous that mm -hmm. that everyone gets a trophy just because, oh, I didn't get one. Well, be a fucking better athlete. I mean, honestly, yeah. not everyone deserves a trophy, and everyone knows that. And I'm so sick of going to the least common denominator. Because well, there's a reason starts, it's the least yeah. common denominator. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah I was Top glad three. to see. At yeah. best, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it was funny. My parents used, they got mad because I was given a sportsmanship award once. And they go, well, you threw some kid, you pushed him away from the, the water. That's all they remembered about my whole season. Not the scoring, not the rebounding, no other shit, but I pushed some kid out of the way at the water fountain. Yeah. And I was like, well, that wasn't during a game. He wasn't an opponent. It, sportsmanship has to do with how you treat the your your teammates and the other the, your opponents. Not how I yeah. treated some fucking kid in a hallway at the, the water fountain. But yeah, so sometimes people focus on the wrong thing too. Yeah, but yes, you shouldn't get a fucking participation trophy. Yeah, you know that happened. That just brought a memory back for me. I was in junior junior high, I think. Maybe not even that. I was maybe sixth or seventh grade. I don't know. Uh, but I was doing long distance running uh, for like, I just started doing it. And I was out at like some competition with the school running. It was Marin County, California at the time. And uh, we were out there running and I I did okay, you know what I mean? But I didn't come anywhere near the front or anything like that. Uh, but I got I got these ribbons and stuff. And I'm like, for these these races that I did, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And it was like, it was like participation or, or uh, 
or something like that, a participation right. ribbon. And I, that's the first time I had ever seen that. That was like 1980 or something, you know, and I'm like, or, or 81, 80, I don't know. I was so confused and I was just like, uh, this is fucking stupid. I just, uh, I just stopped doing that. I, I just, uh, didn't do that anymore. I just did my own thing, dropped that entire sport until later in my life when, you know, in the Marines running is your thing. So whether you want it to be or not. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, I just, I'm trying to remember, I think our kids got And that's the weird thing is I'm sure my mom has them somewhere. I mean, I just had dozens upon dozens of trophies, but they were all for first place or runner up or this title or that title or something that was going on, but they were very specific. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, but that's one of the things where everything thinks that there's the, the expectations should be the same from everyone. Not everyone works at the same pace. Like, I don't think that people yeah. that work extremely fast should be penalized for that. Because usually you'll yeah. make us slow down, and then that just frustrates everyone. Why can't I just do what you want me to get done in a time frame that works for both of us, and then I can go on about my day? That'd yeah. be great. But, yeah, well, uh, let's see. Um, I think that was about it. Oh, I here's one, and we don't even have to. So... One of the things I'd heard lately was, as a bald guy, I talk about uh, how much I love hair. Um, that if I would do almost anything, if I if they said, "Hey, you're gonna wake up with a full head of hair tomorrow," and that I could enjoy it for a while, not something like, "Oh, you got to do this, then you'll lose your hair, you'll shed or something." Um, that if I had a a, a long in and I, I've always said I wish I could have, at my age, it would be salt and pepper, uh, gray and black, but um, or dark brown, and I, I wanted dreadlocks. Sure. And, and people were talking about, well, that's cultural appropriation. Now, granted, these are generally young white people uh-huh. telling me that's cultural appropriation because the funny thing is I'll go, what culture is that? And I'll go, well, you know, the African culture. And I'm like, well— also, how about uh, the the Hindu Indian c- culture? I go, they they do dreadlocks as well, and they'll look at you blankly. Yep. Because they had already made up their mind that you're offending someone, but yep. then they, then they were like, no oh, I didn't know that there were multiple things going on. But I do think it's funny that the younger people find cultural appropriation bad, but I I think this may be a new term. Gender appropriation is all right. Oh, totally. And I just that's think that's crazy. a weird dichotomy that they're fine, that they're like, you know, I, I get to, I get to pick any gender I want, but you can't pick how you dress, how you wear your hair, how you do this. And the other I, thing I have about I genders just, is I just thought about this while we were talking is, you know, when we dig up a skeleton, they can tell whether that's male or female due to the bone structures, the bones that are there. That is not going to change for these people that die now. However, they want to view themselves or be seen as if someone finds their bones in, I don't know, a hundred, a thousand years, something like that, they're going to say that is a female or that is a male. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. But the gender appropriation, I, once again, it feels like people are trying to say, we felt like this for the first time. And I call bullshit on that because, like, um, sometimes people, like in the 70s and 80s, they were called tomboys. 
Yeah. And I will tell you in the 80s when I grew up in Florida, I got called fag a lot because I would wear a sarong, which in the 80s and I had both ears pierced. So, which is two things you didn't yeah. see in the the 80s. But I was just yep. if I'm going to wear I'm tall. If I wear a towel, an average towel, it's still above my knee. So I would just wear something that went all the way down almost to my, so it looked like I was wearing a dress or a sarong, and I was fine with it. And I didn't give a shit what anyone else said. I mean, mm. I I, heard, I guess I did because it registered with me, but I always thought it was funny because I'd be like, okay. And then I'm walking with like the woman who's now my wife, who's six foot one, blonde, just gorgeous beyond belief. And, you know, you can call me whatever you want because this is who I'm with. So I don't really give a shit. But it's funny how, you know, they think that this is the new thing. Like Harry Styles wearing a dress. Um, okay. I I I dressed as uh, Britney Spears wants to do a drag show, which would not be allowed in most states now, too. So um, that, was, that was a bet gone awry. I didn't mind. Yeah, it was crazy. Well, it is weird. So I, I, I had a bet um, with another manager at Best Buy down in Wichita, and uh, Ron, you, uh, gay, and he would go to a lot of. Uh, they would go to drag shows weekly, and um, so we had made a bet. Uh, Ron had this beautifully coiffed hair, and I'm bald. I shaved my head, but I'm bald. And uh, so whatever the bet was for. If he lost, shaved his head. If I lost, I had to go to the drag show. So I lost. Uh, I was like, okay. And I go, can I go one week and just see what's going on? And uh, I, I so that I just know. I just want to be familiar. Yeah, so be prepared. Yeah. And they yeah. go, no, that's fine. So I went. And there were like, there. I think there were more performers than there were people in the audience. There were probably yeah. 10 people in the audience. I was like, okay, next week I'm here. And this is when Oops, I Did It Again was out. So my wife, who's 6'1", I'm 6'5". So luckily, I could squeeze into most of her clothing. So I dressed as Britney Spears. And the funny thing, too, is I didn't even give a shit. I dressed like that at the house. I didn't change there like every other performer did. I just went dressed like that. I didn't care. I mean, so, but the weird thing is, and I, and it, uh, something that someone told has said to me that caught me off guard. And, you know, this kind of goes to the incel and how people view other people in chads, which is the opposite of the incel. But when I walked backstage, they all looked at me, uh, some of the other guys looked at me and they're like, what are you doing here? I go, I'm here to perform. And they go, oh, and I was like, why? And they go, well, generally guys that look like you beat up guys that look like us. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, I mean, cause that just took me about, cause I never even thought of that, but sometimes I don't yeah. think about my presence too. I'm six foot five. I'm big. I mean, I have an athletic build did then do now. And so sometimes I give off probably a different buy and then I'm dressed, you know, wearing a half shirt. You know, I, I still think I had a better six pack at that time than Britney Spears had when she was wearing her half shirt, uh, in that video. But, you know, it was weird that they even commented like that. You know, yeah, well, the, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, looking at it from their perspective, uh, like, like, uh, yeah, I can see that, like, especially, you know, being uh, an intellectual person and uh, expressing yourself rather aggressively and being that big, right, may not realize how, how aggressive you appear. And that were going to trigger some memories in their head, like, oh, God, remember that football player that whooped our ass, yeah, you know. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, That's it's it's weird that it's so you had mentioned that I've mentioned that when I was at Best Buy, people would always complain like, "Oh, this customer was in and they did that and that." And I would always be like, "Why does this never happen when I'm here?" And then yeah. someone finally pointed that out. They go, "Because when you're here, there's a different vibe in the store." Yeah. Because, you know, if something's going on, the you'd hear it over the the walkie-talkie and I may walk to proximity and then all of a sudden here I am in proximity. And so I think that and I never really gave it that that thought. But so here's the, here's the the bad thing. So the the first week I went to view it, uh you have more performers than you do people in the state uh, in the state and all they were doing was performing. The song would come out, they would go out dance to the song and they'd come back uh, the 10 people out in the audience would clap. Uh, I had been at the West Best Buy store in Wichita, and then I I was currently at the East Best Buy store in Wichita. Uh, Best Buys, they used to employ a lot of people back in the day, um, mm. much more so than they do now. So when we get ready to start, one of the other performers, I'm just sitting back there chilling, drinking with the guys, and um, one of them goes, you should, they go, there's an audience. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? And then other people would look at, and I didn't look because I didn't know what they really meant, and, they're like, oh my God. And I look out and there's like a hundred people there. Wow. And they were Best Buy employees because the East store and the <laughs> West store decided they would call each other and they would all show up together. That's funny. Yeah. So when Oops, I Did It Again comes on, I go out there. And this from the previous one time that I had been there, um, there was, they just danced and then they, they went back. Uh, it was nothing sexual. It was just, they just did a dance. It was, it was nice. It was, I, I would allow a child to see that type of drag show. I was fine with what I saw. So when I get out on stage, for some reason, all the Best Buy employees decided they wanted to tip me like I was a fucking stripper. <laughs> now, I, I sound angry there. The only reason I was angry is because the other guys turned on me. None of them got money, and I made like $300. And here's oh, the thing, man. and I feel bad because it, I think I bought the other guy's drinks, but I should have like split it with them or done I, – I should have because I wasn't there, and that, that was unfair for me to do that. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's like a big star going on OnlyFans and then hogging everyone's money. So yeah. I felt like I had kind of done that, but they literally turned on me. They're like, we don't get yeah. paid. And I was like, oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. So, um, but now I do think it's weird that the the cultural appropriation, the gender appropriation, I see them as as being very similar. And it's selective it, application. I know. Because the people the people making the judgment are the ones that not not making the decision. If it was them making the decision, it would be okay. Right. Yeah. And Crazy. and 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 sometimes they they don't understand and they need. So our youngest goes, they, them. And I do my best to uh, refer to Trinity as they, them. I'm okay with that. It is very difficult. And I said, because there were many years that you were not a, they, them. So I am having to just get used to that. But one night our, my mom was coming by to see Trinity and I guess because I was talking to Trinity that sometimes I get into when I'm talking to them that I change everything into they, them. So I change everyone else's pronouns. It's just easier to keep all the pronouns either how they should, how I think they should be or however one person wants them. 
And so I kept referring yeah. to my mom. I go, well, when they get here uh, or them, and I kept saying, and Trinity finally goes, who are you talking about? Who's grandma coming with? And I go, what are you talking about? And you go, she go, they go, you keep saying they. And I go, yeah. I go, but it's only grandma. And so Trinity goes, then why are you saying that? I go, I'm sorry. I go, but that's what I have to do when I explain this to other people. When I address Trinity is they, them, and not so much now, but it used to be where I was having to explain that to people because I just couldn't yeah. do it. People can't just let stuff go. Yeah, like, that would be hard for me too. Yeah. I mean, like for my sure. parents, I remember during the pandemic, and I think it was that Kirsten Cinema uh, out of Arizona, but one of, the, I th I'm almost positive it was her, but was wearing like a pink wig during, yeah. um, during COVID because she couldn't get out to see her hairstylist or her roots didn't. But my dad could not let that, he needed to know the reason why she was wearing a pink wig. Yeah. Instead of she just wearing a, it doesn't matter. I mean, do, is, whatever story I give you, is it going to change? Unless it's something horrific. But whatever story I give you, it's not going to change. So that's uh, uh, touchy and all over the place. And I know I'm all over the place with that. I try, like I say, I always try to do my best to however anyone wants to be seen. But I will call bullshit on some things. Um, and I'm not afraid to do that. And I've also said that indifference is the, the biggest thing that, someone needs to worry about with me because if I'm indifferent to you, I just won't even think about you. So we just don't yeah, need to go there. Yeah. 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 Uh, I told my wife that once about God. She, sometimes she laments the way that I talk with God. Uh, it's more of a, I'll say, I can't wait to get to heaven because I'm going to hunt you down and punch you in the nose type thing. And yeah. she's, so she, she's not always happy with the way I talk to God, but I told her once I go, you don't need to be concerned with how I talk to God because there are a lot of times I talk to him in different other ways that you don't get to hear. And I go, what you should be worried about is when I stop speaking to him at all. Yeah. It's that indifference. You know, I, I, I'm happy to hear you say, say that because I'm not religious or anything at all. But uh, I do remember uh, the first part of my life, people referring to God as God, specifically Christian people, you know, right. Americans. And, and that's how I understand God is, is God being God. But some, somewhere around 1994 or five or somewhere around there, the, the, the prevailing uh, voices in the, particularly in the Southeast started referring to God as Jesus and, and kind of twisting my understanding was Jesus was God's son. Right. And he was a man, not God. He was a man. And he was produced by God and he did all the right. And that's how it was. And, and somehow in the nineties, the, the voices that I was hearing changed to Jesus is actually God. And he is the person we should be praising. And I just don't understand. I still, right. I still can't wrap my mind around that. And that is virtually all I hear from, from Christians. Well, today. you know, I wonder if, and I, I hadn't really given it, that much thought, but I wonder if because Old Testament God is shared with Judaism. So if they yeah. say that Jesus is God, then he is strictly Christianity. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess so, so yeah. th then you don't have to share that. But, you know, 
I, I have always said I grew up my my uh, both my grandfathers were ministers. Uh, at least one of them was at one point in his life. The other one was throughout his his life. My grandmother was uh, the organ player at a, our big church down in Tampa. My mom was the youth director. My dad was the business administrator. I grew up in a Christian church. I grew up when we came to Kansas City. It was a Presbyterian church, which is kind of on the conservative side, which has never yeah. been me. Uh, conservative, that is. So I've grown up with a Jesus, God, Holy Trinity, uh, heaven, hell type. Yeah. That That's how I believe. And I do believe that there is something out there. And I'll just call it God, but if you want to call it universe, I'm okay with that too. I'm pretty, I'm pretty open about this because I... I think I'm just going to, my personal opinion is if God is going to judge me because I didn't label him by the correct name. And I sometimes said, well, the universe, because there's no way I end up with Bobby. Um, Because that affected me positively, probably her negatively, but anyway, it affected both of us equally. And I swear there is absolutely no way that I end up with her, that my life changes dramatically as it does when I meet her and becomes something totally different. There is no way. But if fucking aliens show up tomorrow and they know the meaning of life and go, God, no, literally a guy named uh, Jesus came here but no, you guys, someone really embellished this story. It'd be like Cocaine Bear, yeah. like knowing the yeah. real story and what happened in the movie. And so I'm okay with that. But that break, like my parents, that would break. Like if aliens, they can't believe, they don't think yeah. there's aliens or God would have mentioned in the Bible. Say again? Uh, they, they think that if there's aliens, God would have mentioned them in the Bible. Oh, yeah. Which I do say, well, have you heard of uh, angels before? Because they're flying chariots of fire and all that. But, you know, but that would break them. And, um, but I do, I don't, when I ran our church golf league, I used to, it would be funny because new players would be like, wow, I've never heard language like that. Because I wouldn't hold back cussing. First of all, cussing, I was okay with. And I would, if I say, God damn it, I say, God damn it. I mean, Sorry, it's in my vocabulary, and I try not to use it, but also if I use it. And so someone said that. But the same, very same person, like a couple holes later, hit a bad ball, but said, God bless America, instead of God damn it. So they're like, God bless America. And I was like, really? So you think you fooled, if there is a big guy, you think he, you fooled him with that bless America added on to the end there. But I do find that they that you get judged quite a bit, uh, which I understand. I mean, religious people are conservative by nature. Hey. Oh, hold on. Are you there? I've lost oh. my signal. Okay, there you are. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, I had to climb up to the top of my house so that I could talk to you again. Oh, is that a... Should we concerned atmospherically that something's happening in the great Northwest and moving throughout the United States? Well, actually, they were talking about a big sunspot uh, just a couple of days ago, blasting the Earth potentially with solar winds. I think that was last Friday. People were freaking out about that. So maybe uh, maybe uh, we are receiving some stuff. I, I used to do radio stuff when I was on my first tour, and that was definitely an issue uh, for certain radio signals. Really? The sun will absolutely screw certain things up. So you, as long as you're aware it's there and it's coming, you can compensate. But for stuff that's on fixed frequencies and stuff, it just gets 
Just effed up. If I had to be most concerned about some sort of near apocalyptic event happening, it would be something like that. Uh, uh, yeah. Like some sort of like sun flare or something that takes out the, the power grid and we are set back. Because if people ran out of toilet paper because of coronavirus, oh my gosh, yeah. things would go insane. Yeah. Once they there lost refrigerator. Yeah. Pandemonium would ensue. It would be ugly. Yeah. And, and I've said it quite a few times. I would just get as many drugs as I could get and just be like, okay. I mean, I don't understand wanting to write out an apocalypse. Like nothing, nothing seems great on the other side. Like yeah. we're, we're going to make it through and we're going to real be, rebuild society. It's like, really? Eesh, I don't think so. I mean, I just want a warm shower at this point. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, anything else you want to discuss before I let you go? I always enjoy uh, talking to you. Yeah, I have a good time talking with you too. Yeah. Um, no, I just uh, no, not hey, off the top I, of my head. I wrote this down. Have you seen the real women in politics koozie that uh, no. Sarah Heckelby? You should Google that. It's real women in politics koozie, which I do think is funny. So it has the women governors, uh, I guess Republican governors, because Kansas has a Democratic. Uh, female governor and she doesn't have a koozie but yeah so that's how the uh gop is trying to grift people now is they're, they're selling them so that if you have a whole bunch of bud light you can buy these koozies and cover up your bud light can oh good times yeah should i ask you about how do you feel can i ask you your take on that or will you get do you even have a take on seems the bud light thing yeah so so here's the i i actually was so uh, uninterested in that that when it came out, I remember it came out like three or four days ago, maybe even last week. Right. Somebody uh, did some some issue with Bud Light uh, or Bud Light sponsor somebody. I cared about it so little that I didn't bother to freaking read it and find out what it was all about. I just didn't give a fuck because I had shit to do. Yeah. I was busy. And you know I, what I mean? and that's how I feel. I. I feel like should have been left out of it. I mean, I don't give a shit. Yeah. My thing is they had put this influencer, which uh, a controversial influencer on a can. I don't think anyone <laughs> needs to be on a can. I didn't oh, think that anyone needed it. to be on a Wheaties box in the seventies either. I mean, yeah. the, I don't think that's what, uh, if people are buying it because of that, then fuck, I don't understand people, but yeah, I didn't understand the whole ad, And then turning on something. That, that's the thing yeah. that that just blows me away now that it's so easy for someone to turn on something that they don't like or don't understand. So, and I, yeah, I mean, and I don't right. really care what, you know, what your stance, I mean, on anyone's stance on that, but, you know, you see it from both sides, the extreme sides where if they don't like what someone said 30 years ago, the left's going to turn on them. If they don't like that, you're not part of their party or drink the correct beer or Ban the correct. I just God, fucking a. I'm like you. I wish I would have missed out on. I need to do that next time. Next you know, time in Arctic. I remember the world being like that 30 years ago or 40 years ago when I was a teenager. Though I remember, I remember it kind of being cool to fucking you know being having sort of you know opinions one way or the other about stuff and and I and and at some point I got tired of that. I guess I just got busy in my twenties. I just got busy, yeah. and I stopped concerning myself with that bullshit because I was busy. 
And and when that, that and sometimes you know I'll, I'll be doing nothing and I'll watch the news or I'll catch something, and I'll sit there and listen to it. Okay, that's interesting because pop culture is interesting, you know. Right. Uh, it is, uh, but 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 it's, it has no value to me at all. So if I have anything to do at all, <laughs> that's that's going to slide right to the bottom of the list. Right. Which is most of the time. So. Yeah, and I wish I wish I would have been able to do this with it. And I don't know where it first appeared on me, but then once it appears somewhere, it seems like it's fucking everywhere, and you can't get rid of it. So I was lucky. I was lucky in that I served overseas in uh, 1991 is when I started, and and back then there was no computers, and we didn't even have phones to call back home <clears throat> over there. I mean, it, it was you were cut off right and 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 it was great oh by the way what a great other lesson it, something you said earlier reminded me of is during that same tour i was deployed from japan for 28 out of 32 months in other countries and i was there watching stuff happen and and part of things that were happening and when i one of the best lessons ever in my life was coming back you know 2 years into that and uh, seeing television for the first time in two years, right? Seeing how it changed, commercials changed. They were humorous. They weren't humorous before I fucking left. And then also the coolest thing was watching the news and listening to these people on the news that I used to trust and listen to talk about events that happened overseas in different countries that I was fucking there watching, right? And listening to the information they were providing and understanding these motherfuckers don't know what happened. Were they even there? Right. Because <laughs> they have they have forty or sixty percent of the story, and that's where they stopped. And then they they extrapolated a bunch of bullshit from the information they have. Well, stop! You you just made this into something that's totally not. Right. By by doing that, so it just blew my fucking mind. I was like twenty two or twenty three. I'm like, how how in the f can you do that and not be fired? You know, you got to get all of the information if you're going to talk about something, don't you? Right. Yeah. And so and I, I say that quite often that because I have a genius IQ level that I, I'll get into discussions with people, but I will always tell people where I know that information from. But because quite often yeah. my wife stopped to ask me, she goes, how do you know that? And I'm like, you know, like uh, we had a guest minister at our um at our church last year, who used to be a senator in Missouri, uh, Jack Danforth. And um, for, so I do remember the story, but I don't remember why. Near K, the KCI airport, there was a, a checkerboard um, water tower. And I remember as a young kid asking, because it was weird, no water towers are painted like that. And they go, well, it's for Perina. And I go, why would they do that? And they said, well, the... The uh, the a senator from Missouri, their family owns Perina. And so that was told me as a little kid, probably 40 years ago. Hold on, hold on. Uh-huh. At least 40 years ago and yeah. 45 years ago. And I remembered that. So when he came and spoke at our church, I'm like, oh, his family. And I remembered that. But if I wouldn't have remembered that story, if I would have just remembered that they own Perina but not remember the story with my dad— Mm-hmm. I just, I tell my wife that all the time. I'll be like, I don't, I don't know where I know this information from, but I will, I'll be honest with someone. If I only know one side of the story, I will do that. I'm not going to be like when I was talking earlier about that, that, that woman and her kid that were hitting out of the bunker and they went in and said that I tried to hit them 
that I flew them with a, a golf ball, but they yeah. forgot to tell that they were hitting out of the bunker and then they just took off. So yep. I just always will tell both sides of the story. And that was that's funny because conducting yourself with integrity, man. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But, and that's, that's the, the other hard thing is it, you had mentioned integrity because it's about doing the correct thing when no one's looking. But unfortunately yep. now, even if people are looking, they don't give a shit. Like, yep. You have Shameless. a horn. Yeah, you have a horn on a car for a reason. So if someone almost hits you because they run a light or they do something, you honk at them, they flip you off now. Instead of being like, I remember growing up that people would be like, you know, put their arms up, like, oh, sorry, my bad, I shouldn't have done that. Or you know, you know, if so, if you let someone in in traffic, they'd wave at you. I don't even remember the last time someone under seventy five waved at me, like when I let them in traffic or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I try to do that when I can't. Uh, I do that pretty often, actually, when I think about it. But that's people out here. I, I, I honestly, that driving is one of those things that gets my blood pressure up here because uh, I, I've driven all over the earth, and and this place around Seattle has the rudest drivers I have ever experienced in any place that I've ever been ever, and and uh, it's that is. In Rude my opinion, one hundred percent stems from entitlement. They think they own the fucking road. Oh, okay. If they see, if they have a gap in front of them, especially if it's a big gap, they and- ah. So we okay. got disconnected there real quick. So David's back. So you're talking about the big gap in front of uh, drivers see if they see a big gap in front well, of them. I'm just saying here, here, uh, if uh, if there's a gap in traffic. And, uh, and, you know, there's somebody at an intersection uh, waiting to get out, and that gap is obviously big enough or more than big enough for them to get out. Nine times out of ten, uh, maybe more, <laughs> uh, the person who's in the back of that gap will accelerate and try as hard as they can to close that gap so that person can't get out. Yeah. That's the mentality of the way people drive up here uh, almost all the time. It's, it's, and, and they get pissed. If you if they if they manage to close it enough to their judgment, you shouldn't be coming out, and you have the gall to come out. Oh, God help you! So, <laughs> so yeah, it's the tough. one the thing that gets me here in Kansas City. I have a very short drive. Uh, no, if I don't hit any of the lights, um, which I generally will, even with lights, it's probably ten minutes to my work. We're right next to the highway. My work is right off the highway, so I actually have to jump on merge. Uh, into the highway for about a mile and a half, and then I have to merge back off. And the thing that drives me insane is that people don't know how to fucking get on and off highways. If you're Mm -hmm. getting off, you're decelerating, and you're dropping behind the car that's getting on as they accelerate. Too often, they both want to slow down or speed up at the same time. I'm just, you fuck. And then, oh, my God. It just, there's a reason I have a dash cam. And it's not for me. It's for everything else that's going on in front of me. It's just a shit show. Yeah. I can't wait. I always talk about, I can't wait until self-driving cars. And it's just because I don't want people, I want people to to have to, I don't care how fast they go, how they move us, just move us efficiently. Fuck. People looking at their phones. Oh my God. It'll be a beautiful day when everything is. I know. And I mean, I think about the thing, like most people are like, First of all, a lot of times when I say that, people push back. And I go, well, first of all, you could fucking have sex in cars all the time because you're not driving. 
Secondly, when the dog or cats get in annoying, you put it in the car and you say, come back in a half an hour. It just drives around. <laughs> I mean, there's so many things that they're not thinking of that would be beneficial just besides cutting. A- you could put on your makeup probably more safely than when you're driving and putting on your makeup or shaving. Yeah, I see that less often now. I used to always see shaving, electric razors, but I don't think yeah. people shave anymore. Well, not yeah. like on a daily basis. So, Okay. David, uh, I'm sure that we'll have something to fire us up about again next time. I still haven't, after 20 years as an air traffic controller in the Marines, I feel like you should know something about UAPs. I mean, even a little bit. Okay. In fact, there's something you said earlier that uh, had me think of some air traffic control thoughts. I I can't remember. uh, What were you saying? Something about uh, uh, planes or something like that? You brought up earlier? I don't know. I probably did. Communications? I don't know. I, you had, you had, I don't know. I had, a, I had a couple thoughts about that. I don't remember. So, but yeah, well, I can talk about all kinds of air traffic control yeah. stuff. So, And we didn't get to that last time. We didn't get to that this time. So next time, we'll at least put that on the agenda. I'm sure something will pique our interest between now and then. And good right. selling to you as well out there. It sounds like oh. it's already starting off uh, awesome. Yeah, I've actually, since we've been talking to you, I've gotten two phone calls from buyers. i got to go take care of them yeah you must do that so okay david thank you so much for uh joining the program again uh for everyone that's david gowans uh hold on i got something for that all right david thank you so (laughs) much yeah i appreciate you being on the show again to everyone else you guys have been listening to the stone genius my name is ro i'll talk to y'all later